Lord, just thank you um, that your Holy Spirit lives in our hearts, and that's your promise, Lord, that if we commit our lives to you, you never leave us alone, and you promise the seal of the Holy Spirit in each one of us. And Lord, what does that mean? I often wonder. But you do promise that you are our advocate. The Holy Spirit is our advocate and our helper and our teacher. And I thank you, Lord, that um, your Holy Spirit lives in Laura's heart today. Um, and I know, Lord, that you will be teaching um, her through your Holy Spirit. And that, um, Lord, I just pray that you would give us uh, hearts that are willing to learn, humble hearts, uh, listening ears, um, the focus, Lord, help us, our minds not to wander off to the different things. As Reuben says, we're so busy, so many things after church to attend to. Um, and even now, Lord, uh, thoughts that come to our minds, help us, Lord, to practice self-control, which is a fruit of your Holy Spirit as well. Um, so I just commit this uh, time and thank you so much for Laura and her willingness to serve us. In Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to stick true to my teacher nature. So I have paper and um, colored pens and pencils, which I'm going to ask you to um, get. So if each of you could get one piece of paper and um, a writing implement of some kind. without lollies and rewards, so they're there too. I'm not giving it, I'm not going to set such a low bar. I expect all of you to sit up straight and listen very carefully. You have to answer questions to get a lolly, so all right. Incorrect. <laughs> Um, and if you would like to, whether you open a physical Bible or a Bible app, we're going to be looking at Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, verses 1 to 12. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verses 1 to 12. But I will read them to you. All right, class, you all look lovely and ready to learn, so that's great. I feel a bit um, intimidated because I'm looking at all of these seasoned uh, Christians in front of me and I feel like I have nothing to teach you, but we'll see how we go. Um, here's your first task, guys. Um, on that piece of paper I've given you, can you write these two words somewhere? Um, the first word is Shema. So S-H-E-M-A, Shema. That's one of two Hebrew words that I know. So Shema, S-H-E-M-A. Um, and the second word I'd like you to write is Zakar. So Z-A-K-A-R. Z-A-K-A-R. 
Yeah. And these words are going to come up time and again um, through this little um, bit. Uh, so if you hear what these words actually mean, hint, hint, write them down because I will ask you at the end. Um, yeah. Uh, Pearl, your uh, prayer was really relevant before, uh, and Reuben mentioning having ears to hear, ears to listen, and also um, quieting our minds enough to actually be able to, to hear, because that's a bit of a theme in here, so Holy Spirit, you are good. Um, okay, so we'll start, I'll read the uh, verse that we're looking at today. Um, okay, so these are the commands decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that you your children and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands I give you and so that you may enjoy long life hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant, then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Okay, today I'm going to need you to try your best to stick with me. Um, it took 40 years of wandering before God brought the Israelites to a point where they could inherit the land he promised them. Um, and it might take a bit of a similar kind of purposeful wandering to get where I'd like us to end up today, but I can guarantee you it won't take 40 years. So just if you could bear with me, um, it'd be great. Uh, so our destination today is a beautiful place called Shema. But to get there, we'll be taking the road which passes first through Zakar. Hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about by the end. Um, to help us get to Shema, I want to first start um, by saying that uh, spending any sort of meaningful time uh, interacting and relating to children and working with them can give you such a unique um, and exquisite insight into our relationship with God as his children and his, he as our father. Uh, whether you're a teacher um, or an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, a parent, um, there's a whole new level of understanding that you get about God as our father and us as his children um, by being an adult interacting with a child. Um, now, if you've never uttered the following phrases, why didn't you listen when I said, or you just don't listen, do you? Or would you just listen to me? Um, have you really actually spent any time with children? Is my question. Uh, <laughs> 
how unbelievably frustrating uh, children can be. You can almost guarantee that sometimes they will do the exact opposite of what you say, uh, no matter how many times and how clearly you say it, uh, or how word perfectly they can repeat what you've said back to you. You might even have those occasions where we're increasing your getting, um, where they will stare you directly in the eyes and they will shamelessly and boldly do whatever it is that you said not to do. Um, <laughs> it's a little bit of a clue because um, Shemite isn't actually a place uh, and I'm sure you learned the people out there already knew that. Um, if we look at verses 4 to 9, um, these uh, verses actually form part of the Shema, um, a Jewish confession of faith, which is a really core cool component to a prayer that they say morning and night each day. Um, so imagine that twice a day at least, this scripture is part of your prayer time. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So uh, the average Jewish person would be saying those as part of a larger prayer at least twice a day. Um, and, it's a, and it's a core confession of their faith. That's the Shema. Um, another thing about Shema is that it's a Hebrew word. And often we'll see in our Bibles uh, that it's translated to the word hear. Um, in verse 4 where it says, hear, O Israel, it would be Shema Israel in the original text. Uh, one difficulty with translation, though, is that it can mean we often lose subtle little bits of meaning. So when Moses says, hear, O Israel, we might think, oh, he's just saying, listen up, everyone, sort of grabbing their attention as he speaks. But there's something fundamental about the meaning of the word Shema that can really shift the way um, we understand scripture. Uh, because there are two parts to the word Shema. Hint, hint, listen really carefully. Um, just like there are two parts when we say, why didn't you listen? Okay, so when, Eli when I say to Elijah, hop down off there and he listens, how will you know that he listens or he has listened? Is it because he nods? Not really. Is it because he repeats what I said? Not really. So how would you know that Elijah has listened if I say to him, hop down off there? Thank you, Shema. Shara, Shema, I've got it on the brain, sorry. Would you like one, Shara? You can come and pick one because that was a great answer exactly what I was hoping you'd say. Um, yeah, so if he's listened to me, we'll see an action. He will hop down um, and hopefully stay down. Um, <clears throat> hearing and listening. Shema isn't simply just receiving sound here. Um, it goes beyond even the mental exercise of understanding what you've heard. Um, a Jewish audience understands that the word Shema actually involves hearing and doing or listening and then obeying. I'll say it again. Hearing and doing, listening and obeying. Shema. There you go. Um, Laura, sorry, can I Yeah. So in Assyrian, it is mushroom, which is listen to me. 
It comes from the Schmidt, which is there you go. Sharon, do you want to come up and do the rest? I'm going to sit down and just relax. Um, <laughs> yeah, just one lolly. You're not going to get more by offering like extra information, all right? There's always that one in the class. Um, <laughs> so we implicitly get that when a child hears with their ears and understands, but then they don't complete the action, um, there's a disconnect there. And often it's a heart attitude issue. Um, and just remember, we are children too. We're children of God. And so what does it say when we have ears to hear, but don't shema? Um, James, in James chapter 1, verse 22 to 24, and it's one that we hear a lot. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Now I'm really confident that I, if I asked any one of you individually or if I asked the church as a whole, do you want to Shema to God? You're going to say, of course. Of course we want to listen to God. Of course we want to obey him. That's that, Laura, that's a silly question. That's the core of what we want to do. We want to listen to and obey God. But wouldn't you think the same of the Israelites too? The Israelites, the people who God powerfully freed from slavery, sending plague after plague, demonstrating his absolute authority over creation. Even over the man Pharaoh, who positioned himself and was considered by the Egyptian people as a God. The Israelites, the people who God led through the desert, as a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. The people who audibly heard the Almighty's voice. The people who were faithfully fed manna for 40 years, just out of thin air. Surely, surely these people who had such intimate, right there, in your face, first-hand experience of God, they would have no issue with listening to and obeying God. But we know that's not the case. The Israelites have some trouble. Kind of go like this. They have some trouble listening to and obeying God. And it gets them into trouble all of the time. And then God saves them. They turn back to him. And it just keeps doing these ones. Um, so surely we can see our own stories here too. We can see ourselves in that. Um, okay. First question, and you can you can talk to the people around you. You don't have to know this on your own. Um, what obstacles make it difficult for us, God's children, to shamar him fully? So what kinds of things make it difficult for us to listen to God and to obey him? And I'll give you like 60 seconds or something. You're allowed to talk. Okay, let's just pretend that that's a 60 seconds up because I'm not good with timing in my head. Um, so, what are some of the obstacles that get in the way of us being able to shema God, for us to be able to listen to him and obey him fully? Anybody. Hands up, hands not up, just shout it out, Michelle. Pride. Okay, pride. Shara? Impatience. Impatience. If you give an answer, just come and help yourself to a lawyer. I'm not going to throw So, pride, impatience. Busyness. Yep, business. Hardness of heart. Hardness of heart, yep. 
A wandering mind. Yes, guilty as charged. Distrust. Yep, distrust. Fear. Yes, fear. Yep. Laziness, yes. <laughs> Very good, that's more than I even had put down. So well done, class. Um, okay, so if I put my parent hat back on, um, I'm reminded of our recent attempts to get Elijah to have a haircut. Um, there is nothing quite like trying to get a nearly three-year-old to have a haircut who doesn't want a haircut. Um, <clears throat> the tears, the crying, the flailing, the wailing, the smeared chocolate, the hair in your eyes, your ears, your nose, your mouth, in every crease, um, all over the household, just every surface you can think of, and Gareth was so pleased. Um, <clears throat> and when I think about the root cause of him not wanting to get a haircut, it's kind of a no-brainer. Fear and dislike of how it feels. So Elijah is afraid of the scissors snipping behind him where he can't see them or what they're doing. Um, and he doesn't like the feeling of the hair that falls on him and it tickles and it's itchy and um, it gets in his eyes. Uh, it doesn't matter that he's never been cut by scissors or clippers, um, that every haircut he's had since birth, and he's my child so he's had a lot, um, has only ever turned out okay and been followed by lots of rewards, lollies, chocolates, you name it, he's had it. Um, and why? Because he hates how it feels and he's afraid. And so as a result, he forgets all of the times that it's gone well before. Uh, and how many times can the same be said of us? That we struggle to shamar God, to listen to and obey him because we're afraid or we're prideful or we're busy or we're distracted. <clears throat> or because it makes us feel this discomfort. Um, and at that point, we just forget some key things about God. And like the Israelites, we forget even our history, the many things God has done throughout it, the many times that God's come through for us. We just, it's like they evaporate. And I personally, I can't count the number of times I've been afraid to share too directly about God with friends because I can't predict what will happen and because it feels really uncomfortable. Fear. It's this all-consuming, logic-crushing thing. And it, in the moment, it just makes us forget. Each time I choose to disobey God and to withhold how important he is in my life out of fear, I'm completely forgetting that he's only ever been faithful and dependable. And when I stop, when I really stop, I can actually call to mind a multitude of times where he's come through. Can any of you relate to that? And how about distraction and being overwhelmed, that busyness? If you can't hear someone, what do you instinctively do? You, you bend your ear towards them, you lean in closer, right? It's pretty hard for me to listen to God, let alone obey him, if I allow a million things to stack up in the way and put a distance between us. How can I shamar God when I busy myself too much? The load of washing that needs doing, making sure Elijah eats his breakfast and doesn't feed it to the dogs, planning healthy and tasty dinners for the week, trying to buy ethical, nutritious food, uh, making sure it's Australian-made and owned, reducing my waste and consumption, uh, thinking about enriching activities for my children, um, making sure that uh, Abigail doesn't feel abandoned. Am I going to go back and do some casual teaching so I'm, you know, being productive? Um, oh, and can I fit in some volunteer work around that? Um, oh wait, I didn't do a devotional. Okay, better do that. 
oh wait a second oh i've got to i've got to do this this and this and this and my list just goes you get the idea right uh, the culture that we live in tells us that at least some of our worth is in how productive we can be, how many things we can juggle at any one time, what good causes and practices we're engaging in. We're told that it's normal, that maybe we're even doing something wrong if we aren't running from one thing to the next whilst doing another and thinking about another still. And we leave no time, no room, no margin for God. I want to suggest something to you both that it goes far beyond fear and distraction and being overwhelmed. I think at least part of the issue underpinning these obstacles to Shema is having no room to remember, not forgetfulness because we can remember the things God has done for us. We just don't leave room. So at a, re um, a recent trip to the library made me think about this. I wanted to borrow some books with Elijah for him to read. Oh, big read, rather. Um, we were right there in the children's section, surrounded by picture books, hundreds, maybe thousands, staring us right in the face. And I had Abigail in one hand, oh, sorry, I had Abigail in front of me in the wrap and she's squirming. I had a bag of groceries in one hand, Elijah's tugging my other hand, the library card's buried somewhere in the pram, um, and I couldn't pick up a single book. There are many things about God about our relationship with God, about what God has done and is doing for each of us um, individually and as a church that are right there, like those books. They're staring us in the face, waiting to be picked up, waiting to be read, looked over again, remembered, and we just don't have the hands free to pick them up. Which brings me to the second word that you guys wrote down, zakar. It's the Hebrew word for remember. But there's a little bit more to this word too. When we say remember, we often mean a sort of mental exercise, right? We remember a name or a face or someone's birthday. It happens up here. But what does it miss? Let me use this illustration. Bit of a stereotype, I'm aware. Sorry if anyone gets offended, but it works. Um, so let's say it's a couple's wedding anniversary and the wife has cooked a special candlelit meal and she's put on her best dress and over dinner she's recounting how they first met and their first date and their wedding and she tells her husband what she appreciates about him most and how much she loves him and by bedtime her mood has completely shifted and when the husband asks why she seems upset she says you forgot our wedding anniversary. You didn't even remember any happy. Uh, sorry, you didn't remember to um, get me a card or flowers. You didn't even say happy anniversary. How could you forget? To which the husband responds, "Oh, I didn't forget. I've been remembering all day." You see, in Scripture, when God remembers, He doesn't just think. When God remembers Noah, He makes the waters recede. When he hears the cries of the Israelites, God remembers his covenant promise and he sets about freeing them through Moses. Zakar, to remember, goes deeper than just an intellectual thing. It also means bringing someone to mind and then acting on that person's behalf. When David pleads with the Lord to remember him, he's not asking God to keep him in his thoughts. He's actually also asking God to act on his behalf. So to Zakar... To remember in a biblical sense is to call to mind and to accompany that with action. There's also an understanding of using one's hands, feet, lips, whatever method it takes to actually remember. 
So when we look back at verses 6 to 9, and it says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames and on your gates. Why do we sing worship songs? Why do we share testimony? Why do we study scripture together and read it together? Why do we teach children memory verses? It's here in verses 10 to 12. When the Lord your God brings you into the land he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob to give you, a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Be careful that we do not forget, especially when things are going well, when we are most vulnerable to giving ourselves the credit and forgetting how central to everything our God, the vine, is. We're just the branches, or to borrow from last week, the hired hands. So how can we remember God together now? Memory verse time, everyone. Um, so uh, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Um, it would be nice if you worked in pairs or little groups to do this. Um, but I'm going to ask at the end to see who remembers that verse. So I don't know whether you're the, the type that likes to use their hands to remember. So coming up with some actions. Or maybe you're more of a, an artist and you want to write it out and then draw some pictures that help you remember. Maybe you can put it to a tune because you're that creative but I'm going to give you a couple of minutes just to try and commit to memory in whatever way works for you, verses four and five. And if you're not sure, I came up with some actions last night, so you know, you can copy if you want, but yeah. anyone struggling to remember? Anyone want some actions? Oh, I'm sure you guys are. <laughs> so what I came up with last night was um, here, O Israel, remembering that Shema means to listen and to obey. So there's this and this. So here, O Israel, the Lord is our God. So personal, our God. The Lord is one. One above all of the other gods that there were around at that time. So the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul was tricky and with all of your soul, soul to put, <laughs> got to be creative, um, and with all your strength. So you guys can steal that if you want but um, I'm going to ask you at the end. So anyone who's brave enough to share, to recite the verse and share how they remembered it, double lollies for you guys. <clears throat> 
double rolls, yeah. Um, so how am I going to wrap all of this up? I want to remind you of a few things. Firstly, we are God's children. So like the good father he is, he has done everything, given everything in order for us to be free to come to him and just sit at his feet and to delight in his presence. Because that's something else we need to know. Listening to and obeying God is important. Remembering him and acting from that is important. But it isn't what our salvation is dependent on. And so we can afford to, and here's another word, refer, to put things down, to let them go, and just sit with him. We don't have to be Martha, hurrying about, busying ourselves with all of the things we need to do for God. We're created and compelled out of our love for him who first loved us to do the good works he planned for us. But we can and must also recognise that the things we can do for God are a poor substitute for God and his presence. What does Jesus himself say is the greatest commandment? It references the very scripture we have been looking at today. To love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your strength. It's really hard to say that you love someone if you can think of a thousand other things that are more important to do than to just spend time with them. And it's really hard to hear someone when you're at a distance because of all of the things that you put in between. In all her rushing about, Martha only had time to complain to Jesus about how much there was to do. And that just pulled her away from enjoying his presence. I can just see Mary now in my mind, in the middle of making preparations for him to come. I don't know if she was baking bread or sweeping the floor and then she heard him and she saw him and whatever she had in her hair, she just cast it aside so that she had the room to just take up the joy of being with Jesus himself. Jesus was in her house. But for us Marthas, and I classify myself as a Martha, there's new mercy every morning and there's endless grace when we fall short and when we forget. Of course we want to listen to and obey the Lord our God, but to do that as best we can, let's recognise some of the things that are binding our hands. If, like me, it's the mental clutter and the busyness and sometimes the fear that all take up space in us and leave no room, I want to encourage you to join me in clearing room to remember God and to just be with him this week. Not trying to find room, not trying to make room by adding more hours to the day or writing a longer to-do list, clear room. So I'm going to personally challenge myself to clear the time that I spend reading all of the doom and gloom news articles and to instead remember God by writing down things God has done in my life and that of others. And I'm going to read that and fill my mind with that to remember him. How will you remember God this week? And how will remembering God empower you and enable you to shema him better? Quiz time! Okay, question number one. What two parts are there to shema? What two parts? Hearing and doing. Hearing and doing, listen and obey. Very good. I'll come around and give you more lollies later. Um, okay. What Hebrew word translates to remember and act? Very good. 
Um, when God hears the cries of the Israelites in Egypt, how does he remember them? He sends Moses to liberate them. So he doesn't just think nice thoughts about them. He acts and releases or, or um, saves them from slavery. Um, and now my favourite. Who can remember the memory verse complete with actions or drawing or whatever you've done? Song even. I know Jeff was borrowing a song. <laughs> anyone? 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 Very quiet class. No one? Yes, I will. I'll give it a go. Yep. Uh, hero Israel. The Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your with all your heart, soul, and strength. Pretty good. I think I missed a little bit here. That's alright. We knew what you meant. Anyone else? Ruben set the bar pretty high. Oh yeah, Adam, Adam, we want to see yours. Can you stand up so everyone can see? <laughs> yeah, you should be used to standing in front of people. Okay, take it away, Adam. Here, uh, Israel, um, the Lord, our God, the Lord, is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. Yeah. Very good. One more. One more brave candidate. One more brave volunteer. Yeah, that's really cool. Soul. I like that. Nice. Oh, I'm going to harass someone. Okay. We'll leave it there. I won't harass you too much. Um, but yeah, I encourage you to join in. I'm going to really try that this week to clear room to remember God and not just to try and fit him in around the million other things that I have on my list to do. Yeah. The lollies are now free. <laughs> um, uh, one of the things that also helps me comes from 1 John. Uh, often try to figure out how does this wonderful passage relate to Jesus and his coming and Arthur's coming. So I can understand how the Jews can remember all that happened to them in Israel and in Egypt and all that. But I'm a Gentile. I'm not a Jew. And I come from outside the Jews. So uh, I often wonder how do I how do I grapple with the Old Testament emphasis on yeah the Lord our God is one and then Jesus. So in one John, I think it's about three. Uh, 1 John actually introduces a variation of the commandment. When we say to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength, then you shall love your neighbour as yourself. In 1 John he says, he changes it to actually replace the word God with Jesus. He says, remember Jesus and love your neighbour as yourself. Right? So, 
So he does a slight variation where I understand that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead. So when I want to understand what God is like, I go and think about Jesus and all that he did for us. Christ crucified. When I come to you, I preach Christ crucified. And when I came to you, I sought to know nothing except Christ crucified. So the, the that, that blending the two in, so how do I blend the Old Testament and the New Testament, that passage really always helped me. So, so sitting down, thinking about what Jesus did, also is really good. Really.